It is me, Joseph Coney. This is my side of the story. Let's find a show we never seen before. Series with Ali. Start at the end, yeah, that's where we begin. Series with Ali. With Jack, John, Paul, and Zach. Big laughs and even bigger cats. Come with us to the end, the end is where we Welcome to Series Finale, the only podcast with three Boston comics talk about the final episode of a television series they've never even seen. I'm Jack. I'm Zach. Hey, and I'm John Paul. And this week, we're talking about a Netflix original programming series called The OA. Little broad strokes breakdown for you folks. This show is like an intergalactical show about... Um, people time traveling in like different universes and it's kind of a drama I think with the woman from the office she's in it dude immediately I'm glad you brought that up even though it is a little early for this this has the distinction of being the most unexpected casting I've ever seen in any film or TV I never in a million years would have thought to see Phyllis in anything, <laughs> let alone in an action sci-fi thriller. It was confusing a little bit. And she kind of is just like Phyllis. Like, it's almost like Phyllis Vance, <laughs> wife of Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, is traveling through the multiverse and it also occasionally like inhabits the body of like a fighting robot. Like, Phyllis is totally with it. <laughs> Yeah, Phyllis, does, Phyllis from The Office, she does not play, like, a similar character where she's just, like, a regular office lady or something like that. She is part of this tribe of people that have learned to use a specific dance to travel through different dimensions. And the dance is hilarious. Yeah, the dance is, like, um, it's, like, the worst version of interpretive dance you've ever seen. Do you remember when that woman from... New York, NYU, when last year during the, the um, what's it called, the last during, year during quarantine when NYU was letting people know that they would not be reimbursed for, like, the remainder of their semester and how she <laughs> let them know was through, like, an interpretive dance and she got a lot no, of hate for it. Oh, that sounds great. Oh, it's so funny. She was like, this is how I'm expressing my pain about not being able to continue the semester and not deferring, you know, your payments or anything like that. And uh, she did an interpretive dance, and people were just like, damn, this is super out of touch. And I don't think it's possible to do an interpretive dance and not look out of touch, honestly. I mean, is interpretive dance, is, it seems like it's always a joke, right? Like, are you able to do interpretive dance in a serious way? I mean, this show attempted it when they were, like, embodying weird mechanical, like, what's it called? Robots. That that was like an interpretive dance, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, I did not. I did not think that the 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 dancing, the movements as they call them, I did not think they were supposed to be hilarious. I, was, I think it was supposed to be dead effing serious. There was nothing funny about the show, except yeah, for, no humor at all in this show. Phyllis, except was, for maybe someone talking in a in a Russian accent, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, there's no humor. There was, it's a super confusing, this has got to be one of the most confusing finales to come in at the end of, because it's a multiverse type of television show, 
and we're coming at the very end, I mean, that's going to really complicate things. <laughs> my yes. phone was actually away for this whole show, so I did give it my actual best shot, although I did eat a ham and cheese sandwich halfway through. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, I paid more attention to this than I do most shows, but still, we didn't have a chance at all, other than to say that, like, there were people who were in love, and then the big moment is the Russian woman goes to meet, like, a friend, doctor, guy. And basically, she learns that he has sacrificed the lives of people in order to make kind of this machine that allows him to travel the multiverse. And she was really not happy with this. Yeah, which is <laughs> stupid, in my opinion. Because, like, yeah. dude, to, to be able to travel through the multiverse, if you have to sacrifice a few people out of a billion, I think it's worth it, to be honest. <laughs> Well, he made the point that they were alive and well in other dimensions. And the question is, you know, it's one of these things. It's not even worth arguing about is it right because it would happen. It's inevitable. So why get upset about it, you know? Just make sure you're not the guy who gets sacrificed. Right. Also, the best like part, the jungle. they're nude in this little, like, koi pond, basically, with, like, lily pads. <laughs> but their genitals are cut. They're wearing underwear. I thought that was so funny. They that, were, like, did that they offend knew. you as a bathhouse guy? As a bathhouse guy, I did a little bit. It, it showed us an element of shame <laughs> that I felt like shouldn't be present outside of the Judeo-Christian tradition. It was interesting. That was they hilarious. Brought... They were in like Hanes whitey tighties. <laughs> hilarious, dude. Like depends. It, they were water. Oh. And this is in like a multiverse world where like it, you're 100% right. It makes no sense that they would be timid about their penises, especially because they're all dead. You know? Well, it's just like unfair. I feel like that one like area that people kind of underestimate with men's oppression and men's rights is that like the penis has been sexualized in a way that we can't just go around bottomless, right? Which uh -huh. is just just a, it's just like it is oppressive to us, you know, in a way. The, the only truly free guy who is free from those body oppressive politics is Porky Pig. He can walk around with a jacket, and no pants, and no one bothers him. Dude, he's like a he's like a he's like a revolutionary. But you did you hear though when Porky Pig was at that party all strung out? He he grabbed that girl's ass, and he said, "Oh, forget him." Da -da 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 -da. That's all, folks. And that was the end of his career. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great uh, that would be a great phrase to throw in if like if Chris D'Elia had said that in his video when he got canceled. If he had just been like, well. Uh, everything's true. I'm uh, I'm gonna go to jail, or whatever. D d d d d that's all, folks. That would have been pretty funny. <laughs> that would have been redeeming, you know. That truly. But you know, it's also funny about the thing, like the idea that they're in their underwear in this koi pond. Is this man has murdered them, and then he's gone back, and it, it seems like he's he's had to. He put underwear, put underwear on them because on. they all had the same underwear on. <laughs> He brought he bought like a five pack at Kmart, and he put underwear on these guys. Do you think it was because he didn't want to be distracted at work by the men's penises? Ooh, that could be true. But they wouldn't. No, be I think it was just like because it was on TV. In real life, if this happened, they would be in the buff. Hmm. I mean, do they do they show Dong on Netflix? I feel like they do, but I don't know for sure. Hmm. They don't. They don't show floating there... dong, and this would have been floating dong. 
do, what do you guys think? If you got, if we could use the movements, do you think we could use them to dance our way to a dimension maybe where the podcast gets many more listeners? Like maybe we're on the Kumia network or something crazy <laughs> like that. <laughs> um Maybe we're maybe we're right after Gavin McGinnis, and we, I, we also I think I, trans people I know are what that big, are a big problem. I think I know what that dance looks like, and it's kind of just like a stiff arm in the air. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get to the Kumia universe. <laughs> I have a confession to make, by the way, boys. Oh no! You didn't watch it. You've seen it all. Oh no! I. No, I haven't seen it all, but I did watch the first episode of the show when it came out. Oh, you nasty. Why didn't you go any further? Um, it, Because the first episode was also extremely confusing. Oh, no, I was just not going to... I was just going to say, like, this show, as you know, because it's not reality TV, is going to get a low rating for me. But <laughs> even though it was kind of really convoluted, it was obviously high quality television it's very cinematic some of the yeah, shots I, are amazing I the lighting is amazing the opening shot of like the thunderstorm over the hospital that it pans down on you mm-hmm. see the palm trees blowing in the wind i actually really enjoyed that yeah wait so john paul what made you stop at one well, the first episode's also really confusing. In the first episode, the character that we see in this, I think it's her, she's, like, disappeared, but she comes back, and she's, like, a celebrity, kind of. People are talking about her because she was blind, but when she comes back, she can see. And the only thing I think I really remember about the first episode is it had a really graphic, graphic sex scene that I thought was, like... I was like really kind of into. Yeah, you love that yeah. stuff, John Ball. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very wild, and uh, why? I like, oh, I like this. Why do you think you like TV and film sex scenes so much? I think it's a fun little reward you get for watching television. You know, you're watching TV, you think you're just gonna be watching some show about a blind lady who gets her sight back, and you see these beautiful breasts or these beautiful male bodies on screen. You just admire them. <laughs> You just you just think about you just think about how fun it would be to like to be uh, having sex with that person. Wow, that was a very earnest response. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I think if it was an earnest response, I would have gone. You know what I mean, Vern? You guys know Ernest P. Worrell, like <laughs> Ernest. Ernest scared stupid. I'm Ernest so surprised prison. that you like sex scenes. You're uh, like, jump all like Jack and I have both talked about how we like sex scenes multiple times, but you you just want to live inside your own reality where you don't but like when, them, so you figure we don't. <laughs> no, I assume everybody doesn't because I assume it like kind of makes intergenerational TV watching unnecessarily awkward. Not at the Burke House, and makes it and <laughs> <laughs> makes it appointment television. <laughs> yeah, it's it's open just to spark conversation. <laughs> Oh, I remember when I did that with, um, you remember her. Fuck you guys. My family's not a bunch of hornballs. You guys pause it and start giving tips. You all play, uh, okay, what would you do here? Little pop quiz. Um, yeah, I picked this show because I, I just listened to a podcast that was called, like, The Building of Giants or whatever, and... It's just about, like, where Google... It just is, like, little five-part episodes about the 
the birth of Google, the birth of Netflix, the birth of um, the birth of Amazon, I think, and it's, they're pretty interesting. Um, and so, what about the birth of the Rock? He's a giant. <laughs> Dwayne the Rock. Well, the birth of Andre the Giant is the next season, actually. And um, oh, I bet that was a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> and so they talked about Netflix and how Netflix. Um, one of the episodes was about Netflix, how it, like in the beginning they gave some of these other shows that didn't have a chance to succeed, they gave it the spotlight, right? Breaking Bad and Mad Men really actually blew up once they hit Matt, once they hit Netflix. And that was because yeah. that, and then, so when they started doing their original programming, they also, um, were like, they gave chances to shows that didn't necessarily have the ability to grow. And sure. that has sort of changed ever since, you know, as they've grown and become more, you know, I don't know what the idea was, but uh, one of their examples was the OA, which like was not popular, but had a devout fan group. And the fan group was so devout at one point, there was, when it was canceled, the woman was so upset. She went on a 10 day hunger strike outside of the Netflix offices and like demanded that they start the, the OA back up, and she was yes. she was a total weebo like weirdo, <laughs> but she was very sweet when they talked to her on the podcast. She was just like, "It's such a beautiful show, and it didn't deserve to be taken down like that." And I don't know, it was funny. So it made me interested. Yes. It made me wanted to at least watch the end of it. There are multiple other sort of shows that that garner this strong fandom and when it gets canceled they they try to you know stick with it they'll start letter writing campaigns or postcard sending sending campaigns um some other shows what they'll do is they'll continue the show in like a different format like the uh like they did a they did a buffy the vampire slayer season eight but it was in a comic book they did the same thing with the Gargoyles TV show. They made another season, but in a comic book format, which is obviously much, much cheaper to make than a season of TV. And it's obviously, you know, it's not as satisfying or easy to watch it on TV. And you, there's very little chance that you're going to stumble on a sex scene that'll spark an interesting family discussion. <laughs> <laughs> they should, um, they should have done Buffy Vampire Slayer season eight as like a soap opera, because soaps never get canceled. So if you're popular enough, they should just move you to daytime soap. <laughs> if you have if you have uh, prices right as your lead in, you're never going off the air. D- Drew Carey will take care of you. Drew Carey gets the viewers unbelievably hyped. By the way, Drew Carey grew a beard. Did you guys see that? Dude, it looks pretty good. I didn't Drew see- got kind of zen as a result of like the beard and everything. Dude, the the what does the OA stand for? Opie and Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what the show is about. It's that uh, the main character, she just loves listening to, uh, l- she just loved listening to clips of uh, of Louis C.K. spamming the N-word on radio. <laughs> <laughs> she just is a huge Rich Voss fan and Nick DiPaolo <laughs> zealot. The fan who went on the hunger strike was actually just someone who Patrice O'Neill just changed his his life based on his uh, opinions on how to get a woman. Um. I did think that was a fascinating story, though, about this one devoted fan who just, like, stood outside. It's like, 
it was like a, it would almost be such a beautiful story you know, to, about how one person can truly affect change in the world. But they, I guess they can. They can just it didn't become work. sort of a footnote in pop culture history, though. You know, yeah. this person, in that one fan, Joseph Coney. Dude, Coney 2012, if we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary, that'll be a big deal. Dude, you know Hulu and Netflix are going to release same-day Coney 2012 documentaries. <laughs> One, yeah, with uh, with cameos cameos by Lil Uzi Vert. <laughs> Coney will produce one of, the, one of the documentaries. That'd be sick, dude. <laughs> it is me, Joseph Coney. This is my side of the story. <laughs> wow that was such an incredibly good joseph coney that i think he should probably start showing up in role plays <laughs> i think i think ricky ray rector might have a bone to pick and arrest joseph he might be the guy who finally takes down coney <laughs> wait did coney ever get arrested probably not no, right he's no still i think coney's still roaming around i think coney's dead I bet Coney, Coney might have, yeah, he might, like, have an Osama situation where his health is not great. Well, here's the thing. This is what I think is really offensive. The Coney does all this terrible stuff, child soldiers and stuff, but they still have a theme park named after him in New York City. How fucked up is that? <laughs> they Well, they were in the process of changing the name to Coney Island to Woody Allen Island, but then that something came out about him. Dude, Coney is yeah. still alive. Really? Coney sounds horrible. Yeah, I wonder though. Coney has made sixty-six thousand children into soldiers. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Oh, he's only got a hundred soldiers now. Dude, we need him working for us. (laughs) Coney's got some wild religious beliefs. What does he believe? The CIA should snatch him up and and have him train our TikTok teens to become TikTok killers. (laughs) Coney. Coney is a proponent of polygamy, so he actually loved Big Love. He was very upset with the passing of Bill Paxton. Dude, it would be um, it would be interesting to see if Coney got is has a social media presence. Cause like you have to Coney on TikTok. Coney on TikTok. Coney Coney was like Vine, where like he was huge, so big for such a short time. He was like he was like burned out, you know. Like people were going crazy for Coney for like eight weeks in the summer of 2012. Rai Dune did a tour with the Lord's Resistance Army in Uganda. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's it. I was in a Rai Dune vine for Super Bowl. Were you? I missed Vine completely. I was never on it, and the only thing I know from is "Damn Daniel" with the white bands. I had a vine. Um, I made. Did you? Yeah, I had a vine, and uh, me and my buddy Dan Thomas, we used to make little vines with the lobsters because we worked at the Lobster Shack. We used to recreate scenes oh. from Batman in it. it oh, that sounds go actually viral? really good. No, no, no. I mean, they were stupid as hell. There was one. There was a lobster that was like black and yellow, which turns <laughs> out is like one in a trillion. It's like a very rare lobster, and we called it Bane. And I used to just like play with the lobster. I was like. I was born in the dark. I am bad. Oh. And it was pretty fucking Jack, fun. Jack, you got to chill making us look bad with your incredible impression. I was born in the dark. I am Joseph Coney. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. 
So I've actually had an experience before where I, 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 tr- I fought for the the them to not cancel one of my favorite television programs. Are really? you serious? Yeah, dude. It was, when Bunheads was canceled in 2013, I was pissed off. I had dedicated most of my adult life to being a woman, a fan of women's gymnastics. I was possibly the only 48-year-old man with an appreciation for the sport and didn't have to alert any of my neighbors when I moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> what drew me to the sport was that the athleticism the young women showed and how they dedicated their bodies to the pain of the performance. The show Bunheads let me escape the day, the day-to-day fandom, though, because sh- going to from gym to gym was really tough on me. The show Bunheads let me escape that. I fell in love with the characters, their light-hearted attitude, and the comedy. It was possibly the funniest show since fi- Seinfeld. So when the show was canceled, I was fuming. I marched into the network with a gun to show them I meant business. <laughs> I said, please, for the love of Christ, would someone here to talk to me about bunheads? The secretary screamed and called 911. I said, get in the back office immediately. I would use her as ransom to get the show back on the air. The poli- Smart. The police officer called me to speak about the negotiation. I said, no one gets hurt if bunheads is get- gets a second season. <laughs> I said, no one gets hurt if bunheads gets a second season. Um... And then I said it again. I said, no one gets hurt <laughs> if Bunheads gets Just a to sex. really hammer it home. Said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he said, he asked me what I loved about the show. And I told him the gymnastics. And he said, sir, Bunheads is about dancers. I, I started to sweat. Was I confused? Had I been watching the wrong show the whole time? He told me if I liked Bunheads to try watching Dance Bombs. They dropped in a portable DVD player through the vents, and I was allowed to watch the whole first season. I was amazed by Abby Lee Miller. She was my new lord and savior and the reason I wanted to live. I let the secretary go, and the cops decided to not press charges because it was an honest mistake. The next week, I flew to Pittsburgh and applied to be Abby Lee Miller's personal assistant. She brought me on as an unpaid intern, and now I get the honor of wiping her ass whenever she needs me... Whenever she takes the number two. (laughs) Wow. That's incredible that you were able to transfer your fandom from one show to another so easily. Yeah. It was pretty... I I was... In all honesty, I looked up Bunheads midway through my writing assignment, and I found out it was about dancing. You didn't know? You were quite the fan. Yeah, it was... It was I thought it was about. I assumed it was gymnastics. That's so I started writing it as in a gymnastics show, and then and uh, I switched it. <laughs> and you perpetrated gun violence, but got away scot free, kind of like the finale of Thirteen Reasons Why. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. What's the? Sh- I actually yeah. had a similar situation, Jack, but my fandom wasn't so easily transferred. After watching the Formula One reality show on Netflix, I was reminded of a show that I used to love, ESPN Lawnmower Racing on Cheap Seats on ESPN Classic. (laughs) I flew into a rage remembering that ESPN canceled not only Lawnmower Racing, but also Cheap Seats and also the whole channel ESPN Classic. (laughs) 
I reminisced freshly about how ESPN called my grandfather to do some interviews for the Sports Century on Marvin Hagler, only to not use any of his footage. That's messed up. So I called up former hitman Tommy Hearns, who was recently going on an anti-vax tirade over the death of Marvin Hagler, and told him that we had to boycott ESPN and their president, James Pitaro, who was a disgrace to the Italian-American community. Wow. I wanted to get cheap seats back on the air, and I decided the best way to do this was to take a book out of the women's lib movement. Throughout time, various women's movements have used the housewife strike, where underappreciated housewives go on strike refusing to do any chores at home to show the impact they have. I knew the demo for ESPN Classic, and I organized the Still Lives at Home Sun Strike. (laughs) adult men living with their parents would go on strike they would no longer bring their dirty laundry from their room to the laundry room for their mother to do they would no longer microwave their own chicken tenders they would only eat them the live at home sun strike was off to a daring start chaos was ensuing all over suburban america and James Pitaro, who had six of his own Italian-American children living at home, started to feel the heat. Ultimately, he decided that he would put on cheap seats back on ESPN Classic. However, the climate lobby, headed by Elon Musk, bombed the headquarters because they felt that gasoline engines no longer had a place in the at-home tractor racing market. So we all died. Dude, that's crazy. So did the did the strike ever officially end? Well, the thing with the still lives at home sun strike is that the sun on strike and the sun not on strike has very similar levels of laziness. So it was difficult for a lot of people to tell that there was actually a strike. <laughs> um it's interesting you guys talk about that because I actually had something pretty similar. I also fought to get a show, uh, you know, not to, I fought to stop the cancellation of a show. In the fall of 2003, I felt extremely lucky to get a job working in reality television after I graduated from Howard College with a degree in film and television writing. I had to travel for the job, but I didn't mind as I loved to see other parts of the world. I was working as a PA on a pretty successful TV show when tragedy struck. In September of 2003, while filming a segment for the Crocodile Hunter on Animal Planet, Steve Irwin had been diving near a reef in Australia when a manta ray had fatally struck him with its venomous stinger, killing him nearly instantly. The world mourned, and Animal Planet was set to cancel the show, but I couldn't let that happen. I'd just gotten this job, and if the show got canceled, I might end up broke in Australia, doing God knows what, like Jack had, so I had to make sure that the show stayed on the air. The network was all set to wrap the show up in 2004, but I had a meeting with the network executives and pitched them an idea of how the show could continue. I told them I just needed a small budget and some camera crews and I would produce a pilot for another season of the show. I was on the boat when Steve Irwin died and I had seen the manta ray that had fatally struck him and unbeknownst to everyone, I had secretly tagged him with a locator dart so I knew exactly where the manta ray was. I took a boat back out to the Australian Reef and found the manta ray. I figured I could take the ray out, put it on TV, and execute it live on television. 
that people would love to see the manta ray get put to death for murdering one of TV's most beloved animal wranglers. <laughs> I was wearing a protective suit and reached down to pull the manta ray into a water tank on my boat when I heard something that would change my life. Hey, all right, let me go. Put me down, will you? <laughs> this manta ray could talk. Suddenly, I knew exactly what I was going to do with my budget and TV cameras. According to the law of the jungle, now that the manta ray had killed Steve Irwin, he was entitled to everything that Steve used to have, including his TV show. I made a deal with the manta ray and brought him back to land, where I constructed a special water suit that would allow the manta ray to walk around and be the star of his own TV show. I wanted him to have a marketable name associated with acting, so I named him Manta Ray Leota. Manta Ray Leota was full of personality, and we started filming scenes of him wrangling other wildlife. I knew that this show was going to be a mega hit. A show starring the talking manta ray that had killed Steve Irwin was bound to draw viewers. However, there were problems behind the scenes. Once Manta Ray Leota got to land, he discovered drinking. Soon enough, he was a plaster out of his mind almost 24 hours a day, and since he abided by the law of the jungle, he also felt it was his right to move into Steve's old house and begin making love to his wife and raising his children. <laughs> Steve, Steve's widow was upset at first, but she was into hentai, so she had always fantasized about sex with squids and monsters and junk like that, so soon enough they began to have a passionate sexual relationship. Manta Ray Leota may have been having a great time being drunk and banging Steve Irwin's widow, but I was stressed out. Manta Ray Leota was drunk all the time on set, and he had been hanging out with another Australian character, Mel Gibson. And now he was oh prone God. to using all kinds of slurs when we were trying to film segments, talking about how the ABOs were taking everything that good Christian Manta Rays had built. We shot many, many takes. We could not get any good footage. When I screened the show for the Animal Planet Network executives, they were shocked and horrified. They refused to air a new season of The Crocodile Hunter starring Manta Ray Liotta. <laughs> now Manta Ray Liotta is a deep as a D-list celebrity. He makes cameos for drinking money and is signed on for a celebrity boxing match with El Diablo de Bebe. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. What a sad story. I'm sorry it didn't work out it with Manta Ray Liotta. <laughs> Well, how is Manta Ray Liotta doing on Chantix? <laughs> <laughs> he has he has given up the smokes, but he says it gives him very strange dreams. <laughs> did he ever come across heard, that is Kangaroo Jack? Right. Did he ever you know? Oh. Did they ever team up? <laughs> you know what they they were signed on for project together, but again, Manta Ray likes to throw around the ABO slur, and that's just not far from the course the for ABO Kangaroo Jack. Slur? I've never even heard that one. It's uh, a slur in Australia. It's um. Oh, you know, like I know that one. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, now you remember. Boy, mate, I know Use that your one. Muscle... <laughs> Another. In... By the way, spot on. Impression. I'm interested in taking ch in ch taking Chantix just for the vivid, intense dreams. You you know, like as stuff. a way to get into lucid dreaming. I, tr I bought a book on lucid dreaming when I was in my 20s, and I tried to do some of the exercises. I started to have some success with it. No but way. But you should have just gotten into some off-label Chantex use. <laughs> <laughs> I should have gone to Tijuana and uh, and hit up the pharmacist down there for Chantix. I've never heard of this. Yo quiero Chantix. John Paul, tell me about your lucid dreams. 
Um, so I bought a book on how to train yourself to lucid dream, to take control of your dreams. I've always been interested in, in dreams. There's a lot of people, there's a, a, a almost standard stand-up bit where you go like, oh, someone tried to tell me about their dreams. What a fucking gay loser. <laughs> I don't like hearing dreams. But I always am interested that in hearing what people have dreams what people have dreams about so i bought this book and it it has all these exercises the one exercise that i remember that worked for me for lucid dreaming was when you're going throughout your day what you do is you like stop whatever you're doing several times a day and you closely look at and examine your hand Mm -hmm. you like look at it very closely you examine it and so the idea is that if you do this make it a part of your routine that when you're dreaming you'll like stop and look at your hand. And when you look at your hand in a dream, your hand will look wrong, fucked up. It'll have like the wrong amount of fingers. It just like won't look right. And when you see your like hand and you're like, this isn't my hand, you will then become aware that you're dreaming and you'll be able to actively take control of your dream. Interesting. Are you praying to God when you like look around your van that you're just possibly in a lucid dream? That maybe this uh, that this is all I'll wake up in, in a nice warm house with a wife that loves me, <laughs> and that and that uh, this has all been just a sleep experiment to try to cure my sleep apnea. <laughs> Zach, you you've dabbled in liquid dreams before on the MTA. Were, was was that a result of a lucid dream gone wrong? I did some lucid dreaming. I know about that. And bathrooms always look weird, too, if you're in your dream state. So that can be a trigger for some people. Yeah. Or you can do wake-induced lucid dreaming where you train yourself to wake up in, like, the middle of the night at, like, 3 a.m. And then that can, like, reset you. Because if you wake up in the middle of, like, a deep REM cycle, then you can try kind of go back right into the dream if you stay awake for a few minutes. That's what the senator should have tried to say. Instead of saying, I have a wide stance, he should have said, I think I'm in a lucid dream. (laughs) (laughs) This this bathroom stall looked weird to me. That would that would be a sick move to try to get out of any cancellation, any consequences for your action to say that you thought you were in a lucid dream. <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah, but then that would still mean that that was your desire, right? Because uh, in your yeah, lucid dream, you're in control. <laughs> That's a good point. Larry Craig, specifically, the wide stance in the Minneapolis bathroom, he would be saying, oh, I thought I was in the dream world that I was soliciting sex in a men's room. <laughs> Yeah, but if you're in a if I I'm gonna say that if you're in a dream world and you're doing, I guess shady stuff. I I don't know if I say I approve, but I I want to say it. I know that. No, I mean if you're having gay sex in a dream, you're it's not it's it doesn't mean then that you're you just if you're gay. having gay sex in a dream, you're just Jack. That's a, that's <laughs> not a big deal. No, no, no. But if you're having sex in a lucid dream, you've chosen to have that sex. Damn, I feel like I'm okay. Well, you've convinced me. I'm gonna vote guilty then. <laughs> you'd be you'd be a damn fine dream prosecutor, Zach. Th- this is actually a pretty good play. Like this is basically what the OA is. It's kind of just a bunch of lucid dreams all connected. I could agree that it would like seem that way, and and the sort of big moment. I, I think the show goes out on a hugely ambitious moment where. The main character uh, is transported into a different dimension 
She, she appears to be transported into the dimension that we live in, where the net, where the OA is a TV show, which I think is very interesting. Yeah, that confused me a little bit. Because, like, at one point they're walking around the set. Right? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, on a movie. They're on a set. It appears that they're on the set making, you know, the TV show that we are watching. Mm-hmm. So, I, and this is, like, a thing that's been done in a couple other mediums. There was a famous comic book run by uh, of Animal Man, where Animal Man became aware that he was a character in a comic book show, in, a, in a comic book story, and had a conversation with the writer. Stuff like this has been done before, but I've never seen it done on, on a big budget production like this. Before. Well, The Hills famously ended that way as well. Oh, really? With Lauren Conrad? Yeah, The Hills. Like it's like they all have like a f- they're they're on a beach and they're like okay. They're they're the two kids are having their final like blowout like goodbye or whatever, and then the guy comes on. And he's like, okay, cut, and uh, you know it, they pan out, and it's like the the you know all the cameras and all the lights and everything, mm. which is which is pretty ambitious for a reality television show, I think. Nothing's yeah. too ambitious for reality TV because it <laughs> continues to be the greatest genre on TV. Um, <laughs> You see, there's the gay bachelor now. Apparently, he's an abusive stalker with charges. He kind of pulled a new Kevin Spacey. Yeah. But now really? he's gonna have a new show about becoming gay, about like learning the ropes of the gay community. Really? He just finally let his lucid dreams be his truth. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. So wait, the, I heard about this that this. This bachelor star had come out as gay, but he is being criminally charged with something. No, the charges were dropped, but they were filed. Yeah, he was he, a restraining order was put against him, and the, the woman dropped the charges. Was like we're actually still really close, but it's still like I've seen a couple different people be like he was just not a good guy. You know? Yeah, the internet reception was interesting. It was very cold. The whole thing was like, wow, I'm glad he's able to be gay, but this man is a predator and he's abusive. And Jeez. we shouldn't forget that. Everyone was kind of like, hey, man, good for you, but we haven't been homophobic since 2007 and you were abusive. So we don't like you, not because you're gay, but because you're abusive. Go hang out with mm. Kevin Spacey. There were some people who <laughs> remained in the camp of we, we don't mind you being abusive. We do mind that you're gay, though. There, there were... That would be a very strange group of people. <laughs> um, why don't we do a meme minute? And also, folks, let's talk about it. Meme week. You, we're just coming off the tail of meme week. A huge success. So much fun. We want to shout out to all the listeners who participated. And those who were too nervous to, there's always next year. We hope you had fun with meme week. <laughs> yeah, meme week, the 10th anniversary, the 10-year meme week is going to be really big. But this was really awesome. <laughs> So many funny, hilarious, incredibly creative memes that made me laugh so hard. So hard that I'm getting knocks in the van from the cops. They want to know who's in here laughing. Who's in here who's in here having a good time without paying rent. That shouldn't be legal. <laughs> Paul, as your van, you're you're like on a main street, right? Uh, yeah, I'm on. I'm ve- I'm right off one of the main roads in, in in on this in this town along. Oh, oh, but not the real main road. No, I'm no, thinking I'm you're not. in a town like Situate where it's like a one street downtown, and you're just on the main street. 
that's like completely empty after 9 p.m. and it's just been you for like 10 months across from a Taco Bell. Uh, but yeah, so Zach, what do you th- what are your thoughts on how Meme Week's been going? So funny. I sit there and I laugh at all of them and I try and make a meme and it just has brought me so much joy. We're very grateful it's for truly amazing. You guys. And we'll, we'll Yeah, especially a big shout out to Ori Shatil, uh host of the one of the hosts of the uh, Mostly Panic podcast for creating Meme Week last year. It's already been a year. Mm-hmm. Big show. And the only person that this podcast has ever asked to give a explicit opinion on Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot of listeners that we that we trust that much to give to to force them to pick a side when it comes to Woody Allen. Uh, and we were ahead of the game because that documentary came out a year later. We were ahead of the game in the sense that that documentary talked about 32-year-old allegations. We talked about them when they were only 31 years old. <laughs> Still far too old for Woody Allen, but it was nice that we did Don't it. Don't worry, AJ Glagloff. You'll be next. We're going to have you on to see your opinions on Colton from The Bachelor. And you better pick right, brother. Because <laughs> your answer will be enshrined forever. <laughs> All right, so let's do a me minute. For the OA, okay, I like it. Um, God, uh, let's see here. Um, okay. Um, inter. Uh, no, I can't. I don't know. Oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. Uh, it's uh, when when you're <laughs> when you're lucid dreaming gay sex in a bathroom and the cops walk in. I on my head out. Okay, that's good. <laughs> okay, I got one. Larry, what was the guy's name? Larry Craig. Larry, Larry Craig. Craig. Okay, Larry Craig in one stall, sitting on the toilet with a wide stance. In the other stall next to him is the man that he's soliciting sex from. In the stall next to him is Bernie Sanders on his, with his mittens, <laughs> sitting on the toilet. <laughs> That's pretty good. Black Power Fist. Mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey. White Power Fist. Colton Underwood. What are they coming together over? Coming out as gay after abuse allegations. Oh, that's an amazing <laughs> meme, Zach. <laughs> that meme would go big right now. That actually might go pretty big. <laughs> um, okay. What about... Okay, Arnold Schwarzenegger running super fast. Oh, nice. Uh... When you f- is that Arnold or is that Bruce Banner? By the way, I think it's Arnold. It's, I think it's Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger's running super fast, lightning speed. Um, wh- who is Arnold Schwarzenegger? Fans of the OA. What is he running towards? Uh, the Netflix headquarters find when they find out that the show's been canceled. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. It's not bad. Um, AOC. Okay, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger running shirtless. What is he running towards? A men's bathroom in a lucid dream. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. AOC in the SUV, rock, driving. AOC, so excited to watch the OA with you. And then AOC... Uh, I'm not going to watch 
the oh, I'm not gonna watch. Uh, I I just fumbled that one completely. Okay, I got it. I, I, I was got thought it. I could come up with something. AOC in the SUV, rock driving, rock driving. What does Rock say? Oh, I'm super glad to be uh, to watch OA with you. Um, the rock. Uh, what does AOC see? Say, she says, "Oh, I don't, I don't watch YouTube clips of Opie and Anthony." Nice. That's pretty good. Something. That's pretty good. It's an attempt. That's good enough. It's tough to come up with something for two letters, but you did it. I'm proud of you. Well, I just took what we had already referenced. <laughs> All right, that's a pretty good meme minute. I mean, we we could try and end on a better note than that one, but I think that's yeah, let's do a role play. Joseph Coney. Let's um... do a Deepak Chopra moment. <laughs> Something that we liked about the show. <laughs> All right, I like um, I like seeing Phyllis getting work. You know, it's tough for a character actor to break out of their their original role. And so to see her in something else was nice. I was happy about that. I'm, I'm hoping that means Stan, Stanley will be in some sort of uh, Futurama-style show soon. <laughs> Stanley Stanley will be on season four of The Mandalorian as a badass bounty hunter. <laughs> yeah, that could be. My Deepak Chopra moment, I'm going to shout it out. We've already talked about it. The movements, the crazy interpretive dance that they do to travel between dimensions it's so sort of dumb looking, uh, but they don't play it up as something humorous. They really lean into it. They take it very seriously, and I like that. So the movements. I'm probably going to watch some YouTube videos and learn how to do it. <laughs> and then I'll travel to a dimension. I'll travel to the dimension of my lucid dreams where no one can stop me from doing whatever I want in my van. And Zach's not there to shame, to kink shame me in my, my lucid dreams. <laughs> My Deepak Chopra moment is they were eating the Russian lady and then the mastermind like overlooking the city right next to a kind of a glass panoramic view. So I guess my Deepak Chopra moment is restaurants with nice views of a city below. <laughs> kind of gave me Space Needle vibes. Cool. <laughs> What's the, and that would I good? actually I say would probably be out of hundreds of episodes that's probably my least emphatic Deepak Chopra moment. Even though this show is well done, there there was very little to enjoy. Yeah. I really thought the Russian actress was deeply, deeply unwatchable. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do a role play. All right, so let's do a role play. Ooh, I'll be Phyllis. See. Who am I feeling? I'll be Phyllis Coney. Okay. Okay, I'll be uh, I'll be disgraced uh, I'll be disgraced lawmaker Larry Craig. Okay, I'll be prison Mike from the office. Hey, look, this this dance will help us get to another dimension, to another forest. Hey, no dancing. I went to prison like in Footloose. Dancing got me to jail. I'll break you so I don't dance. If you join my army. No, I mean I'm not in prison, but if I danced because I'm on parole, I would have to go back. What's kind of Michael, dance? prison Mike, do you know if I went to prison? Larry Craig? Yeah, do you know if I do you know if I went to prison? Um no, Larry. But I bet you would like it. <laughs> Joseph. Phyllis. Mr. I mean, sorry, Mrs. Phyllis Coney. 
<laughs> Were you making lighthearted remarks about sex in prison and other things that happen in prison? Oh, so I can't make those jokes? No. But how come? Because, Joseph Coney, you haven't gone to prison. If you go to prison, then you can make the jokes. You just don't have the pass. Prison Mike, you're being a little sexist, because I'm actually not just Joseph Coney's wife. I'm Phyllis Coney. Who? (laughs) I mean, Phyllis, let's get real here. It would be like George Clooney saying, oh, I'm actually George Clooney. I'm not Amal Clooney's husband. You're a he's a Mal Clooney's husband. You're Joseph Coney's wife. <laughs> well, prison Mike, um, you've been to prison before, though, right? Yes, I was in yeah, there with good. Bill and Hillary Clinton. It was the first mixed gender prison. Well, I was just wondering if you want to sort of maybe reenact some of your prison days in that uh, restroom over there. Uh, in the restroom, I dropped a lot of seriously stinky dookies because they didn't respect my vegan diet. Is that what you want me to do, Larry? No, to be honest, I was hoping we could go in there and sort of just dream a little dream and see what happens. Larry, are you saying you want to have sex with me inside of a bathroom? <laughs> I never said that. I never said that. Oh, look, was that, was that something on your shoe there? Let me try and wipe that off. Larry. Larry, what makes me feel bad for you is... It seems like the biggest hindrance to your happiness is not that you're gay, but is that you're addicted to having sex in bathrooms. You know, why don't you just get sex in a bedroom? Uh, I mean, there's just the tile makes it very easy to clean up. Why is there so much cleanup? Who are you? (laughs) Larry Craig. Larry, I'll show you how to make it so that there's no cleanup. Now come over here, big boy. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Oh my god! I think, I think, I think, I, I think my brain chemistry has changed or something. But I'm becoming aroused with this woman. It's because I was on the office. (laughs) 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 All right, what do you give the show? I give the I give the OA a six. It uh, swings for the fences. It does crazy stuff. No sex scene in this episode. Knocks it down a few pegs. Two point five. Good cinematography for a scripted television show, but the plot is lacking, and the lead actress is really one of the worst working in Hollywood. Wow. <laughs> I give the show a three. Almost unwatchable. It's too confusing. Good night, America. Good night, America. God bless everyone and Meme Week. Yes.